Praise God. Uh, today I'm going to continue the fivefold agenda of God and Satan. Today is lesson three, and of course, uh, just a bit of recap. Brother uh, uh, Alvin last week talked about that, uh, you know, God and Satan wants us to perceive, interpret, and understand the things of life as they do. So God and Satan both wants us to think like them. They want us to see the things that they see. They want us to, when seeing, act out the things that they want us to act out on. But we all know that when we see the things that God sees, we will pray the miraculous as well. What we see uh, is really what we do as well. When we see things as God sees, we have authority. So, um, we also talk about, or he also talk about that, uh, how do we then shift or see what God sees? It's really a desire to hear and recognize his voice. And I think at the end, he ended off by saying that we need to cry out to God. Because when we cry out to God, we begin to see his perspective. Amen? So today, I want to talk to you about the third agenda of Satan and God, or God and Satan. It is that he not just want us to think like him, or see from his perspective, he also wants us to talk like them. Everybody say talk. In James chapter 3, uh, one of the very familiar scripture, it talks about that the tongue is an unruly member. In uh, verse, let's see, verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. And we go down to verse 9, and it says, With it, we bless our God and our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in similitude, similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. See, our mouth, our tongue, our speech has the ability to curse and to bless. Out of the same source of life, we are able to exhort, but we are able to tear down as well. So this same source, that's why God and Satan wants to control. Amen? Because this source can bring life and can bring death at the same time. Whoever controls it can have the result. Now, before I go to really the scripture, I, I, I want to define a bit what really are words. Okay? Words are basically the vocalization of our thoughts and beliefs. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Which means to say, whatever that you think inside your heart, whatever that you thought, you thought or, or, or the thoughts that are in your mind today, that's why you speak it out. So, really, words matter. They either give enthusiasm or they deplete it. In fact, words are just like fire. Why do I say that? Because words can actually allow people to come together or be separated. I was just doing the notes last week and I was thinking about it that uh, one of the most defining moments that I had when I look back at my teen or my adult life or when I'm getting married or when I have kids, moments that really matter always have words of impact that comes with it. And words of impact definitely will come with emotions. Things like, I love you. Things like, you will not amount to anything. Things like, words such as, oh, uh, I don't know whether you can do it or not. Maybe 
it is uh, something as a passing remark. But those moments, I remember because it has captured my heart. It has spoken to me. Whether it has it defined me or not, God has done the work. But what I'm trying to say is that words are sometimes like fire. It puts an imprint inside of us. It puts a burn inside of us and you will recognize back at this moment, 2002, uh, maybe uh, 10 or, or 12 of December, during DCD, there was a prophet that spoke this life or this word over me and I recognized it. And there was a burn, there was an imprint because words are just like fire. It was the tongue the confusion of it that separated the people in Babel. It was also the tongue that unified and ushered the birth of the church in Pentecost. And we all recognize this, that there is power in our words. Words have been used to give healing and reconciliation, things such as, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And you can go to the other opposite extreme. You, are so you need to be sorry. You are wrong. Things such as, I forgive you, that, that really impacts me. In other words, can cause a relationship to grow up. I remember there was one time where I, I hold a grudge over a family member for over 10 over years, up till when I got married. And I, I, uh, then suddenly, during one Chinese year, I spoke to the family member. I think it was because uh, there were some words that was being exchanged and I hold the grudge. You see, you can hold a grudge because of a word for over 10 over years. And of course, God dealt with me. I spoke to him and he was like so surprised. Why are you talking to me? Uh? Eh, are you talking to me? Or? You know, sometimes words can really cause you to live or be trapped. And we don't want that. You see, uh, like, I, like what I say, the moments in your life that matters most really always comes with words. And... Uh, a lot of the times we even see nowadays that the commandment, thou shalt not murder. Of course, 99.9999% of us is not going to murder somebody physically. But you see in the online space, you see in our workplaces, you see sometimes in our family as well, words that come out that pierce right through our heart. You see, words are so important. And that's why God and Satan has the agenda to want to control it. And whoever has it is going to control our life as well. So words are like fire. And words are also like seeds that bear fruit. I was trying to find a fruit behind, but I couldn't find it. You know, like those toy fruits are not really actual fruit. If not, it'll be rotten already, right? But I'm trying to say that words are really like seeds that bear fruit. Proverbs chapter 18 talks about that a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips. You see, there, the, the word says that there is a produce of his lips. It means that whatever words that you have been speaking out, there is going to be a fruit. There is going to be a produce. And he shall be filled with it. It means that whatever that you speak out, somebody is going to eat your fruit. Somebody is going to use the seed that you plant inside their life and they will bear fruit, whether it's good or bad, and they're going to eat it. So we need to be careful of what we speak. Amen? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And again, Hebrews chapter 13 talks about the fruit of our lips. So really, we eat what we say. That's why some of us are so tired because all uh, every time when we say, Oh, uh, we open up our mouth, we are tired. 
we eat, what we say. That's why we are having situations of uh, negative stuff because we say negative stuff. You see, the problem is whenever we speak something out, either good or bad, we are really giving life to what we say. You have to recognize that, that we are really giving life to the words that we speak out of our mouth. Things such as, uh, negative things such as, I will never be successful. The sickness is going to get the best of me. Business is so slow, I'm never going to make it. You see, we don't recognize that these words, while it's mere passing remark, it could really have been, you could really be, have been prophesying your future. Things such as saying like, I will always be lonely in my life. I know there are thoughts that, that come into our life. But the moment when we speak it out, we are bringing it to life. The scripture says that we eat the fruit of our words, Right? That means that we are really going to get exactly what we said. You see, this is really not positive thinking. You know, some people say, oh, why you speak positive all the time? Is it like you're trying to motivate yourself out? We need to be very sure that every word that comes out of our mouth is going to be something that exhorts either us or the people that is around us because we have life in our words. And uh, I, I gave this example last time when I was preaching about this also. You think about it, right? The Bible says that this is like the, the seed of our fruit. Our words are like the seed of our fruit. It means that when we go into a vineyard today, we plant apple, we will get apple. If we plant oranges, we will get oranges. You cannot expect that you plant apple and get oranges, correct? It is against the law of the harvest. And the Bible says that we eat the fruit of our words, which means to say, if you're walking around today being negative, always speaking about you are no good, you, you, you are will amount to nothing, the, the sickness will get the better of you, you cannot expect that you will reap a positive mindset. There is no way that you will do it because you cannot plant an apple seed and get an orange fruit. There was an example that uh, I wanted to share because uh, recently, you know, I've been very busy at work. I came out of uh, uh, my workspace and I always say, wow, I'm super tired. Super tired. Wow. Today I do so many things. Huh? Then my, my kids will always run up to me and say, oh, you finished work already? I say, no, cannot. Haven't finished yet. I go back to work again. Then there was one dinner. Uh, no, before that, I, I would say I'm tired and I'm very old already. Because every time I run, right, here pain, there pain, you know. Like, I know that like, I'm still 35, 36 years old. I'm not supposed to have so much pain. But, you know, it's just the life, right? So I, I like to complain that I'm tired and I'm old. So I always say that to my kids and my, my wife as well. Wow, I'm very tired today. I'm very, kid. I'm very old already. So one day when I was eating, and suddenly one of my sons, I don't know who, you all will guess who is it. My son say, Hey, Daddy, I know why you never go army already. I say, why? Oh, because you are so old already. And then you are always uh, so tired. That's why the army don't want you anymore. <laughs> he is right, eh. That's why maybe the army don't want me. But I, I started to understand, hey, actually, uh, not just uh, I'm reinforcing it to myself. Eh. Whatever that I say to myself, other people are going to reinforce to me. Right? When I say I'm old and I'm tired, 
oh, the eyes or the ears that are beside me started to think, oh yeah, you're old, you're tired, you're up to no good, don't worry, at 60 years old, I'm going to put you in a wheelchair and I'm going to push you around. That is their idea of taking care of me. They say, uh, somebody uh, will take care of mama and then papa will sit in the wheelchair, I will push papa around. This is their definition of my future already because I spoke it last time. You will never know some passing remark the people will have that perception of you and they will reinforce to you again. What I'm trying to say is stop planting negative thoughts or stop planting negative words that, that, that comes out from your mouth. We need to start saying that if I want to plant positive mindset, we need to, we need to speak positive words. It is not about having that rah-rah uh, yourself up, really. It is about the Word of God saying that whatever that we speak, there is power. And I'd rather prophesy good things than bad things in my life. Amen? If there is a choice, let's choose to say good thoughts and good words. Because our words, the second point, is our like invitation cards. Our words can either invite God or Satan into a conversation. Why do I know that? You see, when Peter's words agree with God, Jesus called him blessed. When he recognized that Jesus was the Son of God, then Jesus said that you are, uh, you are uh, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed to you, right? But then, some, some not even a chapter later, it's just some verse later, suddenly he declared, when Jesus wanted to go up to the cross, he declared that, hey Jesus, you're not supposed to go up to the cross. You are, not, uh, you, you, you are not supposed to sacrifice yourself. And then what did Jesus say? Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? It was only five or six verses differences. That one, he called bless. The other, he called get thee behind me, Satan. It is because of the words that he speaks. And that tells me that when we speak words they are aligned and agree with the will of God. We invite God in. We invite the blessings of God in. But when we speak the, the, the words that are contrary to the word of God, then we start to invite Satan into our lives. You see, I always had a trouble. I, will, I really always have trouble reconciling Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Because Peter said, Lord, don't go up to the cross. Uh, you're not supposed to sacrifice on the cross. And I thought like, you know, if I'm there, I will say the same thing, right? You will say the same thing, right? I mean, everybody is like, hey boss, don't do this. Like, I do it for you. Like, don't worry. Like. Next uh, salary review, you know what to do. Uh. You know what you, what you mean? You will every time try to take care of your boss, right? And then when I read this verse, I'm like, hey, Peter is not really saying anything wrong, wrong uh. He's trying to say that, you know, Jesus, don't go and sacrifice yourself. You need to rule the world. But he wasn't speaking the will of God. And that tells me that sometimes we need to stop and say that, are we talking about fanciful words that appeals to our flesh? And then we've got to be careful, right? Because if that, that will invite Satan into our conversation. Or are we speaking the truth? Or are we speaking the will of God? Are we speaking the words that are aligned to what God wants to do in either our lives or the people that is around us? And that is even more important because we can say all fluffy words, but God sees it. And God says that, you know, that's not my will. And that's not what I want to do in your life. 
and therefore get thee behind me, Satan. It is more important to speak the will of God than something that is more pleasing to the ears of people. And I'm still learning. Everybody is still learning. But what I'm saying is that words have power. And I'd rather say the things that matter to God than to please the people that are around me. Um, you know, we can never have enough of encouraging people. We can never have enough of saying positive things to people, encouraging them in the Lord. You know, um, on Saturday, uh, some of you might know that uh, some of the teachers have been roped in to teach uh, a set of students that we had uh, from one of the, ch the childcare centre or, or daycare centre. Day daycare centre basically is uh, when the parents have to work, the, the kids are being brought over to this daycare so that uh, they continue taking care of them. And of course, we have the childcare which is from zero to maybe six and then daycare is from 7 to 12 or all the way beyond. So we actually had an outreach program to this group of people, uh, this group of kids. And um, on Saturday, uh, there was a, a teacher that was teaching them. And uh, I must say that the crowd wasn't as good. Uh, the, the kids were quite rowdy and uh, they were trying to interrupt the teacher a bit. But the teacher actually did very well to control the crowd and to bring them in and to teach them and to bring videos in and engage them a, a bit. But I, I actually saw that she was a bit uh, discouraged because, you know, you can really pour a lot of virtue when you are teaching a kid that is not really, uh, you know, paying attention. And all the childcare teacher will know that. And I texted her after that. I texted her and I said, you know, uh, I'm so proud of you. Every time when I'm in your lesson, I felt like you, you are able to control the crowd, you are able to engage them. You know, the crowd is tough today, but you did your best, so you know, make sure that uh, you don't uh, be so hard on yourself and all that. And she replied me and she said, you know, Brother Bong, this has been so empowering, especially when it comes from you. And uh, I don't feel so bad now. I didn't know that she feel bad, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't hurt me anywhere. Or it doesn't even cost me anything to say positive words to the person. I didn't know that she needed, but all I want to do is to speak good words to her. And she said that it's empowering and I probably, uh, hopefully, save her weekend because, you know, it was just the start of Saturday, right? Saturday morning. But what I'm trying to say is that it doesn't hurt me or cost me anything to say good things. But all she had was to gain from it. And we need to do that more often. We need to say that you are well-loved. You know, whatever that you're going through, God is still with you. You know, whatever that you need, tell me and I can help you. It doesn't hurt us a bit to say all these good things. But all I know is that I made somebody's weekend because of the text that I sent out. So remember that your words are like invitation card. You can either invite God or Satan into your life or even better still, invite God into the other person's life. Next point, our words are like the sheep's rudder. We must remember that there are always two natures, the flesh and the spirit. And that's what Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 to 18 says, that the flesh lusts against the spirit. What that means is that the flesh doesn't want to do things that the spirit wants to do. And sometimes, because of that, we need to command our spirit to do the right thing or our flesh to even do the right thing. And how we do that? It's really to speak it. 
There are times where I don't feel like it. I don't feel like coming to church. I don't feel like doing this. I don't even feel like uh, doing work. But sometimes we just need to speak it. I love how Joel Austin, Austin always says, he says, uh, he always holds up his Bible. And I say, he will say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I will do what it says I will do. I, I will, whatever. He's trying to say that whatever the Bible says, I can do what the Bible says. I believe in the Bible. I believe what I believe. No, one of, us, uh, one of the things that he said was, I believe what the Bible says I am. How many of us actually can say that? Really? And I really believe that if we say that on an everyday basis, we are basically telling our flesh, flesh, you better be quiet. Because I'm believing what the Spirit says I am. And sometimes we really need to do that. We need to speak it out. Because the problem is, is that there is always two voices that are vying for our attention. It's either the voice of defeat or the voice of faith. Voice for defeat will say that you will never amount to anything. The sickness that you have is going to come back and haunt you. Now it's COVID season, you will definitely get COVID. I don't know whether you'll get COVID or not, but the voice of negativity will do that. It will stop you from doing the things that God wants you to do. Things such as your bank account is empty. How are you going to pay your next uh, bill? But really, it's time for us to sometimes quiet down the voice of defeat will still be there. But quiet down because there is another voice that will come and speak to you. And that is the voice that you really need to listen to. The voice will say, you know, I, some trust in chariot, some trust in horses, but I'll trust in the name of the Lord. The voices will say, I am wonderfully and beautifully made in God. The voice will say that today is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice in Him. That's the voice that you need to listen to. And you know what's the beauty? Is that yes, you have one voice of defeat, one voice of faith, but you get to choose. You get to choose, and that's the beauty of it. You get to choose which voice you want to speak it out. You decide. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 to 31. I want, to, I want you all to take note of verse 31. It says, Therefore, Take no thought, saying. Everybody say, therefore, take no thought, saying. The Bible talks about that there is going to be a thought coming to you. But you can take no thought. You cannot, you cannot allow the thought to take over you. How? By not saying. When you say, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Wherein forth shall we be clothed? This is where you allow your words to take over you. This is, allow, this is when you allow your thoughts to take over you. Therefore, take no thought. Today, I choose to take that thought of faith. Today, I take that thought that, that, that is from God and I say, I'm going to choose that thought and I'm going to say it out. No matter how I feel, I'm going to say it out. And that's how I choose. You see, some people say, oh, the inertia is so, so strong. I get it. I get it, really. Uh, sometimes, I, I, that's why I say I'm old. That's why I say I'm very tired. The inertia is very strong. But there is one example in the Bible that really spoke out to me. It was that 
one person that was possessed with a legion of demons. And he was so caught up with worshipping God that he ran to God and he kneeled down and he started to worship God. And that tells me that if one legion of demons that is possessed within the body of of, of, uh, of the individual. I can't imagine how many thoughts are running through his mind every day. He is try, trying to cut himself. He's trying to do this and do that because of the thoughts that is inside his mind. But there was one thought that consumed him. There was one thought that said that he cannot live without and he needs to speak it out. He needs to go to, do, to, to have the action of that one thought. It is to fall down and worship God. And that 1,000 legions or 1,000 demons cannot even hold on to Him. And I'm just thinking about this, that really, I can lead my heart. Eh? I can say that this heart is deceitful, yes, but it's not the end of the world. The Bible says that I'm not done yet. He that is baptized in God is going to have be a new creature. And the Bible says that he who begin a good work will complete it. That's not the end of my story. Yes, I'm down and defeated. Maybe sometimes at work, I'm down and defeated. I, I'm not getting the results that I want. Maybe in my family situation, it's not getting what I want. But I'm saying this, that this is not the end of the world. God is not done writing your story yet. The thoughts that you have inside your mind, don't speak it out, but speak good thoughts and begin to claim the promises of God. Another story of David and Goliath. We celebrate the story, right? I tell, my, I tell my kids how David used uh, five stones and one sling and kill the, the giant, cut the head. They love cutting this, cutting that, you know. One of the days, uh, you all should go and see. Uh, I mean, they are very obsessed with Tom and Jerry now, you know. It's sadistic. Uh, you probably take over from Sharon, you know. I'm not really very sadistic. But what I'm trying to say is that David and Goliath, right, we celebrate the story of how David was successful in the battlefield. But the victory really didn't begin at the battlefield. The victory began before that. Surely there were voices of defeat that were surrounding David, right? Remember when he was trying to be anointed as king? Nobody thought that he was the next king. He was left out in the field. And that, that, again, there's the voices of the defeat. When he came and he wanted to fight Goliath, do you know what his own brother said? His own brother said, I know the hearts of you. You come down because you just want to see the battle. You jump down because you want to take the glory. Your own brother, his own brother, was speaking words of defeat, words of doubt to him. But he didn't allow that to overcome him. That's, what, that's really what I, 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 I thought, that the battlefield was not where the victory started. The victory started was when every time when there were voices of defeat that was coming to him, he chose to say that, you know, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. He chose to say that if God will, will be here, he will not allow any Philistines to, to blemish the word of God. I'm going to hold the word of God. I'm going to hold the, the name of the Lord and fight against him. He didn't allow the voices of defeat to, to overcome Him. So really, our words are like rather. We either give in to the pressure of the world and allow our words to succumb to our flesh, or we can really use our words to prophesy what is to come. And another bad example is really 
you know, we, we, we saw in Numbers chapter 13 that our words are like gates as well. That we can either give access and, or really shut out the, the promises of God. And in Numbers chapter 13, we talk about how that negative example, we talk about David and Goliath, which is the positive example. But we also see that when we start to speak words of negativity, and when we start to speak words of, uh, of uh, casting doubt to the promises of God, that is where we shut out God's promises because our words are like gates. Numbers chapter 13 talks about that Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up once and take possession and we are well able to overcome it. But then in verse 33, it says that there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in, our, in their sight. It's a very familiar story, but we all know how the story came or how it ended. You see, God brought them, the entire 4 million people, out of Egypt. And to put things into context, it is basically something like Singapore fighting the world power and they won. That was really the context of Israel versus Egypt. And even before that, uh, even before you know, God uh, do the templates and all that, He was already showing that the children of Israel that He was with Him. After that, he brought them through the, 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 days, the, the sea and he parted the sea. And after that, there was a cloud of, uh, the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Tell me if God needs to do anything more to this group of people to tell them that, they are with, that he is with them. I don't know anything else. That if I can have a physical manifestation of God in this world right now, I can't imagine how many people will start to believe in God. But you see, that's why God doesn't want to give physical manifestation already. Why? Because 4 million people didn't believe in Him when He had a physical manifestation. Wow, how much so if He were to give a physical manifestation right now? And how many people is going to believe in Him? You see, we really need faith in this end time. I don't know why I diverted. But what I'm trying to say is that it only took 10 people, 10 out of the 4 million people to start speaking negative things. And it dissuaded the people from going into the promised land. 10. And that's how powerful words are. They assume that the enemy was small. Uh, sorry, they assume that the enemy was too big. They assume that the enemy saw them as grasshoppers. They assume that the perspective of the enemy is so real that they are com coming over to, 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 to defeat them. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, even, even the people that is dwelling in the promised land said this. Uh, Rahab actually said this. I know that the Lord has given to you the land and the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. You see, even when there are evidence in front of them that say that you are able to go in, people will start to flee, don't worry about it, God is going to give you the, the land, God is going to give you the promises. But the people of the children of Israel choose to believe in their lie, choose to believe in the 10 people that came back with a negative report. Be careful 
today that we believe in the report of the world rather than the report of, the, of God. Because what you believe in allows you to have gates. You either open up the gate for blessings or you either close the gate for God's blessings. And we know what the story ended or how the story ended. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 to 3. And says that all the congregation lift up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. Wow. They started to see themselves as vic victims instead of victors. And the words of the spies became like a gate and he shut the door of God's people from entering God's rest. How do I know that? Hebrews chapter 3 says, So we see that they could not enter in like gates. They could not enter in because of their unbelief. So really, we can offer words of complaint to one another or we can speak words of thanksgiving to remember what the Lord has done. One of my favourite verses in the Bible talks about in Psalms 100, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. What that means is that I don't want to be like the ten spies that give a negative report to my family. I don't want to be the ten spies that give a negative report to the family or, or even to myself. I don't want to say negative things to myself. You know, I always say this at my family table when they are eating. And I always say this to my wife. I say that we are really blessed beyond measure. We have a house. We, we, have, uh, we, we have no lack. We really have no lack. And, and, and you know, sometimes it's, we can kind of like cruise along and it becomes a norm. But I don't want that to happen. I want to constantly remind myself that the food that is on the table comes from the blessings of God. I remind my children to thank my wife for cooking such a nice meal. I remind my children, you know, sometimes the children being children, they will say, oh, $5 only I have, uh, my piggy bank $5. But they didn't know that that $5 could matter so much to another person that is maybe not in Singapore. And they don't recognize that. There was a time where my work was not so busy. And I'm not saying this to, 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 to give credit to myself. Uh, please don't misunderstand me. But there was a point in time that I tried to volunteer for, for, for trying to you know, give food to, to the poor people that is actually around this place. And you will know actually in this place there is a lot, actually a lot of one-bedroom rental that people need help. There was one time where I actually brought Matthew up because he being an early waker, he always wakes up and I don't want him to go and disturb uh, those that are still sleeping. I brought him along. And uh, he, he, that, that really imprinted in, in his mind. In fact, this morning he was just saying, that, uh, Daddy, does the people still remember me? Uh, the, do they still remember me that I bring food to them? I say they probably won't. But I say, remember when you are older, remember to give back to the society. Remember to say things that are good. Remember to do things that are impactful. Because our lives, really, sometimes I think about it, our lives are just 70, 80 years old. 
what do you want to do? Do you want to just, you know, be a shrine? And people will come to you and, and you know, oh, this is my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Or do you want to leave a legacy? And the legacy is not left by the amount of money that you leave behind. The legacy is left by the words that you speak to people, the words that you speak to yourself, and the things that you have done in your life. That is really more impactful than the amount of wealth you will leave to your next generation. So really, sometimes we might not feel like that, but I still want to verbalize it. I don't want to come to a, a stage where I feel like it's a norm, that food is on my table that I have a car to drive, that I have a, a house to co- go back to. So we receive the promises of God with thanksgiving and we thank God for the miracle before it happens. You know, why don't we just pray for a while right now and begin to ask God to change our heart. You know, sometimes it's tough because it is like a mechanism inside our heart, right? That always does the same thing over and over again. But today, I want God to change our mind. And I want God to change our hearts so that we can start speaking positive things and, and good things and promises of God rather than negative thoughts. Jesus, right now, God. Lord, I pray right now, oh God. Lord, I want to thank, give thanks to you right now, O oh God. I want to give thanks to you, O oh God, for every blessing, O oh God, Lord, that you have given to me, O oh God. Lord, I do this, O oh God, Lord, because I want to open up more blessings, O oh God, of you, O oh God, in my life. And today I recognize, O oh God, every good thing comes from you, O oh God. Be it, O oh God, Lord, the next meal that I have, O oh God. Be it my breakfast, O oh God. Be it, O oh God, Lord, my job, O oh God. Be it my family, O oh God. Be it my dad and my mom, O oh God. Be it my children, O oh God, Lord. All good things come from you and today, oh God, Lord, I, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for giving me, oh God, all these blessings, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you will change my heart, oh God. Change my heart to see, oh God, Lord, these are blessings in my life, oh God. Lord, how matter how much, oh God, my mom, oh God, my dad next to me, oh God. I still have a mom and a dad, oh God. I still, oh God, can give praise to you, oh God. I still can feel love through them, oh God. And I thank you, God, that you have given me, oh God, Lord, a family, oh God. I thank you, God, that you have given me, oh God, the blessings, oh God. I thank you, God, that I have savings, oh God, in my bank account, oh God. I thank you, God, that I have a job to go to, oh God. I thank you, God, for even, oh God, the simplest things, oh God, such as the air that I breathe, oh God, such as the legs that I'm able to walk, oh God. Lord, I thank you, God, Lord. Let it not be, oh God, Lord, a, a, a time, oh God, where I say these are just normal things, oh God, because, Lord, I want to know, oh God, and I want you to know, oh God, Lord, these are things that I treasure in my life, oh God. These are things that I recognize, oh God, Lord, that you gave to me, oh God, that you are able, oh God, Lord, to, to, to bring that thanksgiving, the feel of thanksgiving, oh God, Lord, in my life right now, oh God. I embrace it, oh God. I give thanks to you, oh God, for all the good things that you've given to me, oh God. Come on, let's clap our hands onto the Lord and let's thank Him right now, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for all the blessings, oh God, Lord, that you've given to us, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. The last point that I want to talk to you about today is that words are like sword. Psalms 149 talks about, in verse 6, it says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Wow. You see, why is the high praises of God in their mouth? 
and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people. What God is trying to say is that when you start to praise Him, when you start to prophesy, words are like swords that are able to execute vengeance on the nations and to execute punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. See, words have power. Words are like swords. We have the power to prophesy with our words and we have the power to make or break a nation. That's how powerful we are. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7 says, Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. You see, this example was when Zerubbabel was supposed to build a temple of God in the middle of a Persian rule. Give you a context again. This context was that God wanted Zerubbabel to go to build a, a, a temple. And he's basically trying to say that you, Kevin, today you go to Afghanistan in the middle of the war zone, I want you to build a church. That's how the context of this verse is. And Zerubbabel had an impossible task in front of him. But look at what he says. Who art thou, O great mountain? Yes, the mountain is great in front of Zerubbabel. But there was one verse that was before that. Who art thou? Oh yes, our problems are great in our life. But we need to say to our mountains, Who art thou? Yes, our sickness is great in our life. But we need to say to our problems, Who art thou? Who art thou has to be the most powerful words that you will speak to every problem that you have in, our, in your life. Yes, your job security is not there. Who art thou when I have a God behind me? Yes, my family is not well together yet. Who art thou when I have a God behind me? When my finances are not in my bank, who art thou? I have Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider behind me. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. We need not to describe our mountains. We need not to describe our problems. Sometimes we spend too much time describing our problems. But we need to speak to our problems. We need to speak to the mountain and say, Thou mountain shall become plain as well. When Jesus defeated the temptation of Satan in the wilderness, Jesus replied, it is written. Every time he will say, it is written. Don't belittle the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is as powerful as a two-edged sword. The Word of God can make or break a nation. It is time for us to bring the Word of God to our enemies and to our problems and say, who art thou? The enemy wants us to use the words or the sword of our words to harm ourselves. Words of defeat, bitter and angry words, gossip, slander, unwholesome speech. But Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that there is a type of speech that we can have today that can get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and we can use our words today to speak to our mountains. 
Why don't we stand right now? I'm done. Today, whether are you online today or whether are you here, I want to let you know that you can use your words to pray, to edify, to encourage and to show grace to one another. And it starts today. There will be times, yes, I understand that we will fall. I, I'm not saying that I will go back and I will not say that I'm tired and I'm not old anymore. There will come a time where I will say that again and again. But I want to remind myself that there is a mountain in front of me, but God is bigger than the mountain. There is a, the obstacles in front of me, but I'm going to say that my God is bigger. One of the very funny examples that I could think of is, yesterday I actually asked my wife, I asked her, hey, which body part do you like the most? <laughs> I know it's a very, it's a very uh, personal question right, to ask my wife, but I really wanted to share. And she struggled with saying that. And she said something like, you know, um, you know, it's like the, 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 there was one time where, you know, uh, girls always struggle to say praises to, to uh, their own self. But guys, you know, in front of a mirror, it's like, hey, and some are you. And I thought, oh, okay, that's true. But why am I trying to say that? Is that uh, whether are you a male or a female, you need to start encouraging yourself. You know, sometimes you need to go past the mirror and say, hey, wow, good looking, huh, you? You need to say, hey, I am well loved by God. Eh. I know it's sometimes easier for guys, I don't know. It's easier for me. La. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Sometimes I say, wow, good looking. Huh? And other days I say, wow, even better looking today. Huh? And even, uh, of course, sometimes when I don't shave, I'm like, hey, who's this old man? But what I'm trying to say is that don't miss a chance to speak good things about yourself because that's really what God sees about you. The Bible says that He formed us in our mother's womb. He created us. And don't miss the opportunity to say that you are well loved by God. Don't miss the opportunity to go past the mirror and say, today, I have a mountain in front of me, but who art thou? Don't miss the opportunity to say that, you know, God is still with me today. I know it's hard at times to look at you yourself in the mirror and say, Am I really what God wants me to do? Or am I really in the will of God? I'm telling you today, if you believe in God, you are baptized in Jesus' name, you receive the Holy Ghost, you are here either online or you are here today, you are in the will of God. You are doing what God wants you to do today. And stop allowing the thoughts of negativity to come to you. And start sowing seeds of good thoughts and speak it out. Because really, that is what God sees about you. There is nothing bad that He sees about you. He loves you so much. Yes, there are mistakes that we had in the past. But they are mistakes. Just like a loving father. I overlooked them. Yes, I, I killed my, my son at times. But the next moment, he comes to me and says, Papa, can you play with me? And sometimes I want to do that. I want to say, you know, there are times where you make mistakes in the past that the amount of mistakes doesn't amount to how much I love you. And today, I want you to know that however you make mistakes in your past, God still loves you. Start to sow good seeds. Start to sow good thoughts in your life. Start to think that whatever mountain is in front of you, there is a God that is bigger and He is behind you, He is beside you.
Why don't we raise our hands right now and begin to proclaim that Jesus is 